if you are anything like me as you're looking forward to 2023 and you have new hope and a new feeling of starting anew, you're thinking to yourself, this is my year. I am going to write more songs in 2023. So in this episode, we're going to talk about three different ways to write more songs in 2023. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Vidala. Honored that you would take some time out of your busy week and you choose to listen to this podcast rather than your favorite sports team's podcast or Joe Rogan or somebody else. And you're choosing to listen to this and learn about songwriting. And that means a lot to me in two ways. One, it means a lot to me personally because you're choosing to listen to me, uh, which I appreciate. Uh, but also, and more importantly, I'm glad that songwriting is important enough to you that you would listen to a songwriting podcast. Because let's be honest, how many podcasts do we all listen to? I don't know about you, but for me, there's like two podcasts I listen to religiously and then like three other ones that I I dabble in. Um, so, so probably most of us listen to maybe three tops. Uh, and the fact that, that this week, at least, Songwriter Theory made the cut means a lot. Glad you're here. Pumped to be talking about 2023 and how we can all get better in 2023. The beauty of a new year is it's totally arbitrary and doesn't really mean anything at all, but it does give that awesome feeling of a natural reset when it comes to goals. There's just that feeling, right? There's, There's this hope in the air that doesn't exist otherwise. And we're not talking about resolutions because resolutions are dumb, but we are talking about things that we can change because there's a difference between goals and resolutions or dedicating ourselves to creating good habits and resolutions. Resolutions just tend to be the most wimpy. They're always like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose like 30 pounds in three days and it's going to be great. Um, I don't don't know what that voice was. But anyway, we are talking about how to write more songs in 20. 23. If you haven't already, be sure to grab my free guide on 10 different ways to start writing a song. Uh, That's a great way to at least make sure that you can start more songs in 2023. It's all about starting songs, not finishing them. Uh, So it's not the the whole picture, if you will. But I know that one of the biggest issues can be sometimes just starting, staring at that blank page or sitting with your guitar thinking, what now, guitar? Uh, So Grab that guide, 10 different ways to start writing a song, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Link in the description as always. So three ways to write more songs in 2023. Number one, address your writing bottlenecks. The best way to increase efficiency in any system is to fix the bottlenecks. And a bottleneck, if you don't know, is really just a point in a production system that slows or stops progress. So if you had an assembly line, for instance, where let's say there's four simple pieces to this assembly line, and the first one can create one part in 10 seconds, and the second one can create one part in one minute, and the third one can create one part in one hour, and the fourth one can do it in 10 minutes. 
So in that instance, assuming that whatever you're putting together is just one of each of these parts, just to keep it very simple, uh, then the one that takes an hour is the bottleneck, right? So if you're, at, let's say you're making burgers and you can only make like one bun at a time, one piece of cheese at a time. I know this is getting super artificial, but the idea is that the best way to get faster at something is to address the least efficient part. So to just go straight into how this applies to songwriting, if you can write the music for 50 songs a year, but you can only finish the lyrics for five, then lyric writing is your bottleneck, right? Because if it weren't for how slow you write lyrics relative to how fast you write music, then you would write 50 songs a year. But because you can only write five sets of lyrics a year, you end up writing the music for 50 songs a year, but actually only finish five of them with the lyrics as well. So then you have 45 songs left that are not complete yet because your lyrics haven't caught up with your music. Or if you write 20 songs a year, but you only record two, then probably recording is your bottleneck. And that's outside of the scope of songwriting per se, uh, but it is another thing to consider, right? Whatever our final goal is, maybe your goal is you just want to write a song, right? And you have no interest in recording it or your version of recording it is you finished writing the song, so you get your iPhone or, or Android phone out, put it on video mode, and then you just record yourself playing it live in your basement or in your living room or outside, um, and that's your version of recording it, right? It's basically just a, a live thing that you do once, and that's it. In which case, probably recording is not going to be your bottleneck. And uh, if that's so, if that's your goal, your end goal for your songs is just to have it out there with a, a really easily made live video. Then so be it. But if you're somebody who's wanting to record somewhat professional sounding songs and release them, uh, then it might be worth, you know, what kind of bottlenecks are there in your process all the way from song idea to a released song. So where the end of the road is, is going to be dependent on the person, right? You might not even write songs for yourself. Maybe you're writing songs for other people. And then the end of the bottleneck is just, you know, when your song is complete, because then you're sending it off to other people. Um, but overall, the question to ask yourself is, what is the part or what are the parts of the songwriting process that you think, if only I could blank faster, I'd write so many more songs? Is it, if only I could come up with chord progressions faster, I'd write so many more songs? Or is it, if only I could finish lyrics faster, I could write so many more songs? Or if only I could record in high quality faster or maybe uh, get a good take faster, I'd write so many more songs. Whatever that is for you, that's probably the main thing to address. So for me, I've talked about this before, uh, lyric writing is absolutely my bottleneck. Now, I think there's reasons for this. One is I, I do believe that uh, if you were to make the perfect songwriter the perfect songwriter's bottleneck would be probably lyric writing. If we're just, you know, if it's either music writing or lyric writing. 
And I think the reason for that is it's just inherently harder to have great lyrics and takes more time to have great lyrics than it does to write great music. Um, j- just for frame of reference, you know, a, a, a remote, a competent musician, not even a great musician, right? An, an intermediate to upper ed- intermediate musician who understands basic music theory can essentially write nice, pleasant sounding music on the fly, improvising for hours, right? So if you can sit at a piano and just improvise and it sounds pretty good, uh, maybe not all of that is song worthy, but a lot of it actually might be. And a lot of it might be better than a lot of songs you hear out there. So uh, then if you compare that to, there aren't too many people maybe even no people that can basically just improvise great poetry or great lyrics, right? There's maybe some rap artists that are close maybe, but uh, generally that's not a thing. People don't speak in poetic language. Even, even people who do like it's, it still isn't quite lyrics worthy in the way that you can improvise very musical, very nice sounding music. But anyway, it's worth thinking about, what your bottleneck is, because then you know that is the thing to spend the most time attacking. The main thing that you know you need to get better at or work at. Because if your bottleneck is writing lyrics, then you know, oh, me writing music even faster essentially does nothing for my songwriting. Let's go back to the 50 and 5 example. If you can write 50 songs musically per year, but only write five sets of lyrics, then if you increased your efficiency at music writing to a hundred songs a year, so you doubled it, how many songs are you going to make that year? Still five, right? Because you're still writing five sets of lyrics and that's the bottleneck. And that's the main concept of a bottleneck, right? Is at, at some point, you could literally go to infinite. You could write infinite or let's say 10,000 songs musically every year. But if you can only finish the lyrics for five, you're still at best only releasing five songs a year and you're only finishing five songs a year. But if you increased the amount of lyrics you could write per year to just six, that all of a sudden increases your total output of songs by 20%, right? One more, over one over five, 20%. You didn't think you were getting math in this podcast, did you? Full of surprises. New year. New me. New you. Anyway, so that's the concept of a bottleneck. Your next question is how do you attack that thing? We've probably talked about it in some episode at some point, uh, but really quickly, I think one of the best ways to attack whatever your bottleneck is is to practice doing that thing even if it's not for a song. So let's say your bottleneck is, we'll stick with lyrics, because it probably is lyrics. If lyrics is your bottleneck, then the best way to address that, which is what I plan to do this year, is to work on just having set time where it's like, no, no, no. I am going to just write lyrics for half an hour a day or something like that. Or I'm going to work on writing one poem a week that isn't even trying to be a song. It's just literally working on writing poetry 
with no expectation for it to ever become a song, just so that I'm forcing myself to write lyrics and poetry more and more so I get better and better at it and presumably faster and faster at it. So picking some exercises maybe to do that will help with your bottleneck or simply dedicating more time to your bottleneck specifically and only writing things that are your bottleneck. So, you know, if your bottleneck is, oh, I can't come up with guitar hooks, then all right, let's address it. Let's make a habit of 15 minutes a day. We're just working on guitar hooks. That's it. Every single day, which then leads to number two of how to write more songs in 2023. And that's to make songwriting a habit and not just a hobby. So if you pay attention to the YouTube channel, I had two videos come out recently breaking down how Atomic Habits, the book, applies to songwriters. And that book's fantastic. Highly recommend grabbing it. Uh, Even if you weren't a songwriter, I would tell you that. Just being a human being on the planet, that's one of those rare books where I think every human would be better for reading that book. Um, So very, very good. But specifically for songwriting, why is it important to make it a habit and, as I put it just now, not just a hobby, which might be unexpected wording given that overall we probably all consider songwriting some version of a hobby for us. For us, um, even, even if you do it professionally, there's probably an element of, yeah, but I still love it, so it's also my hobby. Let's lay out what I mean by not just a hobby, though. So I'm an avid board gamer. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it, but I love board games. And when I say board games, if you're thinking Monopoly or Sorry, no, not that trash. Actual, real, good board games. Um, so sometimes called Euro games, sometimes called strategy games. Both of those are only semi-accurate. I'm not going to nerd out on and explain to you the difference in board games. But board games that follow from the style set by Settlers of Catan, even though now Settlers of Catan is just a terrible garbage game compared to how good the games are now. Anyway, I'm an avid board gamer, okay? When do I play board games? Well, I play board games when I'm hanging out with friends. Maybe sometimes I have designated board game days with with friends or with different groups. Or sometimes when my wife and I just feel feel like it, right? We're just like, hey, want to play a board game tonight? And if we both are like, yeah, that sounds pretty good, actually. That's when we play board games. So sometimes I'll play board games three days straight. Sometimes a month will go by and I won't have played any board games. So I do it when I feel like it and when I have time. If both of those preconditions aren't there, I'm not playing a board game. That is a hobby at its core. Right, A hobby is something that we do for fun when we feel like it. I don't think anybody has a hobby, really. I would argue it's not actually a hobby if they do this. Uh, But if you don't feel like doing your hobby, then you just don't do your hobby. Right? Let's say your hobby is skiing. If you are like, "Ah, I just don't want to go skiing today. The ski boots are super uncomfortable. Fact check true. Um, seriously, it's like the worst part of skiing, is it not? I mean, I love skiing, but man, 
every time I put those things on, I'm like, is is this worth it though? Is it? Uh, snowboard ones are better. I'll, gi- I'll give snowboarding that. But anyway, n- it, by definition of it being a hobby, you like don't go and do it even when you don't want to do it, <laughs> right? Like that kind of defeats the purpose. At that point, it starts to seem like it's a job or as I call it, an endeavor. Uh, a job is something you definitely get paid for. To me, an endeavor is a hobby that's like a a hobby that you would still do and you care about enough that it's it's more than just a hobby to you. Right? I never force myself to play a board game out of discipline. I do force myself to songwrite out of discipline. That's what makes songwriting an endeavor and board gaming a hobby. Won't go any deeper into that here, but that's basically what I mean by not just a hobby, right? So if you make it a habit and you say, no, I am going to songwrite every day for 15 minutes a day, half hour a day, whatever it is, whether I feel like it or not, I care enough about songwriting. I care enough about becoming a better songwriter that I am going to songwrite whether I want to watch Netflix or continue to scroll mindlessly through YouTube shorts or not. I'm still going to put it down and say, no, it's 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock is my songwriting time. And even though I would rather shoot myself than write songs today, I'm going to do it anyway because songwriting is important to me. I know it's good for my mental health uh, and or or maybe it's not in your case, but I think a lot of us, that's a lot of the reason why we do it. Um, but regardless for, of your reasoning, overall, going farther than just treating it like a hobby and saying, no, 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 this is important to me. I'm going to make a habit of doing it because it's important that I get better at this. It's important that I do this. This craft means something to me. And the best way to get better at songwriting and make better progress as a songwriter is to not rely on doing it when we feel like it. As I talked about in the videos on Atomic Habits and relating it to songwriting, one one of the big takeaways from that book by James Clear is the idea that habits are effectively as close as what we have for automating our own human behavior, right? You, you can automate your finances. You can automate your bill payment, right? You just put on auto pay. I, like, I have maybe once in my life manually paid my mortgage. Right? It's just set up to the mortgage payment comes out of my checking account. That's it. I don't have to remember to do that. I don't have to remember to save money either. It automatically, like a part of my paycheck doesn't even go into my checking account. It goes directly into my savings account. You know, a part some money gets invested directly. I don't have to think, oh, I got to invest this month. No, no, it just automatically happens. That's automation, right? If you have a robot vacuum, right? You don't have to remember to vacuum that day because uh, the, the, the vacuum is going to automatically do it for you. So, presumably, assuming it doesn't get stuck, you could not think about vacuuming for months straight even, and your house will stay vacuumed because it's automated. So human behavior doesn't exactly work that way. That's what machines get us and computers get us. 
we can't truly automate our own behavior. But the closest we can get as humans to automating our behavior is via forming habits, right? You don't, you don't have to force yourself or put any effort into grabbing your phone and scrolling through maybe TikTok, hopefully not, uh, or YouTube or whatever. Uh, you know, all that stuff is terrible for us. But, you know, whatever your vice is on your phone, I'm assuming we all have one on our phone where, like, when when in doubt, maybe we're waiting for somebody to meet us at a restaurant. Maybe we just got done with work. Maybe we're trying to take a mental break from work. We pull out the phone and automatically go to, you know, somewhere. Maybe it's Pinterest. Maybe it's uh, people still using Pinterest. Maybe it's Facebook. Another thing most people don't really use anymore. Or Twitter, whatever. We don't have to force ourselves to do that, right? We just do it automatically for free. You spend like three hours a day on your phone. If you're the average American, I think, I think it's, it might be four or five. I don't remember. It's a lot. So that's effectively automating ourselves, right? Automating ourselves to do a bad thing. Um, but, you know, a, a better example is we all know those people that, you know, they just automatically work out every single day. They don't have to think about it. It's automatic, right? Before they even show up to work, they've already had their green juice and they've already worked out. And I've gotten to the point where now working out is automated for me, but I'm not green juice level. Green juice level is just next level. We all know those people. Maybe you are those people. If so, good for you. That's that's awesome. I wish I would. I, I like the I like working out in the morning. The I like the idea of working out in the morning. The reality of having to get up that early, I hate, but I, I love how it makes you feel throughout the day. So if you're that kind of person, go you. It's awesome, especially for the per, uh, a monster and you like get up at like five in the morning or whatever to do it. It's awesome. It's awesome. I like the idea of being that person, even if I'm not. Anyway, that's the idea of automating behavior. That's really what habits are. So if we get in the habit of every day an alarm goes off at 10 and we know this is our time to songwrite for half an hour or 15 minutes or even five minutes every single day. Or if every time you have that one daily meeting that you really don't have to pay attention to and you can just mute yourself and you're not on camera, and you can use that time to practice your guitar scales. That's a great way to automate your improvement at guitar. Or you train yourself that you get your keyboard out and practice scales on that or your guitar whenever you do watch Netflix or whatever you whatever streaming service you may be using at the moment. That basically anytime the TV's on, it's a rule that you must also be practicing something for music because it's it's fairly brainless activity to practice scales and a lot of guitar exercises that do help a lot, but it doesn't really require brain power. It's more training your fingers to behave. Um, so you can actually do something like watch a TV show or be in a meeting and totally pay attention to every word that's happening in the meeting while practicing. So these are the ways to automate getting better. It's amazing how much better we get super fast when we get into these habits. And if you just think about it as, you know, let's say you you do get in a habit of just half an hour a day, you force yourself to songwrite. That adds up a ton. I mean, 
seven days, right? You're already at what? Three and a half hours. That's a lot, especially when you consider that, you know, last year, if you weren't in the habit of songwriting, you might have accidentally gone a month without. So if you just automatically get at least three and a half hours every week, and then if you do take a Saturday and put in a seven hour session, that's just even more on top. Like, that's great. But now you're at least automating that you have at least three and a half hours every single week. Your worst case scenario every week is that you only songwrite for three and a half hours, right? That's, that's a lot. And yet that's what half an hour a day will get you quite a bit. So something I heard recently that I thought was very profound is how we have it reversed. I don't remember who said it. Uh, I know it was in Ali Abdal's podcast, I believe it was. Um, I don't know who the guest was, though. So I apologize, but it was it was profound and I did not <laughs> I don't even think I looked at what the guy's name was probably should have done that. But anyway, he says how we have it reversed. We say to ourselves, oh, I'm not motivated while we do nothing and then wait for ourselves to become motivated. And relating this to the muse or inspiration as songwriters, I think, I think we do the same thing, right? We sit around and we mope sometimes even of like, oh, I'm not feeling inspired. I just, I just like need the muse to drop by. Meanwhile, we're doing nothing, right? We're cleaning the dishes or we're watching The Office for the 50th time. And we're complaining about, oh, I'm not inspired or I just don't, I'm not motivated. And he talks about like how that's totally reversed, it should be that we work, we do the work, regardless of whether we're motivated. And then the motivation usually comes. And this is so true. <laughs> like, it's just so, the amount of times where I really don't feel like doing something, but then I force myself to do it for five or 10 minutes. And then soon by minute 15, I am inspired. The muse does come. I start to become excited about the work is like, that happens at least 50% of the time, probably more. Sometimes it doesn't, but you can still be productive even when there is when you're not inspired. You still can be productive even when you don't feel like working on whatever you're working on. But it's amazing how many times, you know, maybe that I, I didn't feel like songwriting. I did it anyway. And then 15 minutes in, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And inspiration strikes. A lot of times you earn inspiration by just doing the work. But we all have it reversed and we say, oh, I'm not going to do the work unless I'm magically inspired or magically motivated. When instead we should have the opposite approach. Which ultimately is what a habit is, right? And a habit is saying, I am going to do this thing. How I feel about it is irrelevant. I'm doing it every day at this time or every day whenever I do X, I will pair it with Y. The idea of, say, getting in the habit of when I do work out, which is already a habit, then I will always listen to an audiobook. Or then I will always listen to a, a podcast. Or maybe right now is indicative of a form of habit you've made. Every time you get in the car on a Wednesday morning or Tuesday morning or something, you listen to the newest episode of the Songwriter Theory podcast. 
when you get in the car, going to work, right? And that, that's, that's your habit. And also it's, it's great because that's just time that you would have done nothing anyway because you're already trapped in the car. You might as well learn something. So overall, make a songwriting, make a songwriting, make songwriting a habit, not just a hobby. Last one and shortest one. Add to your songwriting toolbox. A great way to write more songs in 2023 is simply adding to your songwriting toolbox. I know I like to talk about songwriting toolbox a lot. I think it's just because people don't talk about it enough. And it's so impactful. I, I mean, it, and it, it should be so intuitive that that's the case as well. right? If you take it to the extreme and you say, okay, here's a person that doesn't understand any music theory, has barely even read poetry, much less understand how to write poetry or lyrics, and they also can't play an instrument. How difficult is it going to be for that person to write a song? Very, right? They're probably not going to write very many, and the ones they do write are probably not going to be very good. But if you have someone else who is very good at poetry, they read poetry, they often write poetry, They are a very competent musician at multiple different instruments, so they can pick up a guitar and improvise and sound awesome for three hours. Or they could go over to the piano and do the same thing, or the violin, or the bass. Or they could go over to the drum kit. If you compare those two people, which one do you think is going to have a way easier time writing a lot of songs and writing good songs? And you may say, Joseph, that's a total waste of time. Obviously, the second person. Yeah, that's true. Which is why I think it should follow from that, that it's obvious that increasing your songwriting toolbox by either adding new tools to the toolbox or upgrading the ones you have is a super effective way to continue to get better at songwriting, to continue to get faster at songwriting, more efficient, which I guess is the same as faster in this instance. And yet, sometimes I feel like people just don't put in a concerted effort into doing that. But I think it's so important to do that. So important. So make a concerted effort to add skills and knowledge to your toolbox this year. And that looks like a whole bunch of different things, right? It is like you're listening to this podcast. Great. That already shows that you're a person dedicated to adding skills and knowledge to your toolbox. They are listening to a songwriting podcast. If you watch videos on songwriting, same thing. Hopefully songwriter theory videos. Or if you're someone that is taking instrument lessons or voice lessons, that would be an example of making a concerted effort and adding skills and knowledge to your toolbox. Or maybe you're in college right now or high school right now. I know there are some younger people that listen to this podcast. So if, if you're in that case, in that situation, maybe uh, maybe like me, you can uh, in high school be like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to get a music major in college. So I'm going to learn all the music theory I can now. So you maybe are taking some music theory classes in your high school or music composition classes if you already finished the music theory classes in your high school. All examples of adding skills or knowledge to your toolbox. Get better at your instrument. 
intentionally. Work specifically on the parts of your instrument that are holding you back. Maybe it's the fact that you can go to the keyboard and you can just improvise in any major key. But when it comes to minor keys, you kind of have to think about it. Well, that kind of limits you, especially when it comes to improvising in order to write music, right? Because it's going to be harder for you to improvise in minor scales and write music in minor scales. And then the same with modes, right? I, I've talked about this recently, but for me, one of the things I'm concentrating on this year is really getting better at, I have the head knowledge of modes, right? So I can explain to you, for example, that, you know, C, C Phrygian is take C minor and then flat the two, right? Well, any Phrygian is take the minor and flat the two. And then I can also be like, oh, and I know what C minor is. It has all natural notes, except there's an E flat, an A flat, and a B flat. Therefore, when I say flat two, I'm replacing the D natural that I would have in C minor with instead a D flat. So I know that intellectually, and I could do that with any key intellectually. But if you told me, hey, Joseph, improvise in E flat Phrygian, I would have to sit there and think for a second and first go through, okay, let me, so E flat minor, and then I'd have to flat the two, and then, okay, I guess these are my notes. Unlike if you tell me D major, E major, like I just go. I don't even, I really don't even think about what sharps and flats are in it. I just know. Now, I also have the head knowledge, but it's beyond that, right? So for me, that's the thing that I'm putting concerted effort into because that's a form of bottleneck in a way, but also it's just a way to upgrade my songwriting toolbox. Is The ultimate is just anybody can give you any scale or mode and you immediately play, right? That's the ultimate, is no matter how obscure the scale or mode is, you can immediately just improvise and play in that mode and not make any mistakes for like an hour. That's the end goal, the ultimate end goal to me. So, you know, be intentional about the next music theory concepts to learn. Maybe you were super confused when I talked about flat two and you were like, oh, C minor. Okay, I know what that is. But then you didn't know what notes were actually in C minor. Then that means, you know, start, start from basics. Start from learning keys so that you understand like, hey, C major has all the natural notes. D major has two sharps. It has C sharp as well as F sharp. And then G major has just F sharp. And E major has four sharps and the whole thing, right? Why? Because again, ultimately it connects to relating it to writing because then you understand things like, oh, a B major chord in the context of E major is a five chord which means that it has the same job or role as a G major chord would have in the context of C major. Rather than seeing chords in a very faulty way that a lot of beginners see, uh, which is like, oh, G major sounds happy. Like, well, I mean, that, that very much depends. <laughs> like, it, that is not necessarily the case. You can definitely make a major chord sound dark based on, you know, maybe it's a borrowed chord and it's not something that would naturally happen in the key. And then the voicing of it that you choose to use, the idea that just like, oh, major equals happy and sad equals, or minor equals sad is a false dichotomy that is grounded in some truth as are all generalizations, or at least most generalizations, but um, certainly is not something where it's that simple. It's just not that simple. 
even a G major chord in the context of C major or G major is radically different because it's a five chord in C major and a one chord in G major. And even though those keys are almost identical, I mean, there's one note difference. G major has an F sharp and C major has an F natural. That's the only, di only difference. And yet that, uh, that G major chord in the context of either sounds radically different. So be intentional about the next music theory concepts to learn. I have a free guide on that as well uh, that teaches the four pillars of music theory. If you haven't grabbed that already, that is a great place to start. I think that teaches probably the, the four things that get you like 80% of the way there. Um, other music theory knowledge is certainly very helpful, uh, but those are the four that to me are borderline necessary to the point that me songwriting before I knew those four pillars and after is probably the single biggest leap in songwriting ability was my before and after with those four things. Um, probably by a decent margin as well. Uh, so intentionally seek new inspiration, right? Intentionally find new ways to get inspired, whether that's making a concerted effort to watch some short films this year or to maybe check out art, going to art museums every Saturday for a month and then sort of journal about what the different paintings meant to you and what how they made you feel and what they made you think about. And maybe that could be a great way to gain some songwriting inspiration, especially if you're starving for songwriting inspiration because there's not much going on in your life. Look, I've talked about this, but I I, I had to, I, I lean towards writing about sadder, darker things. So, you know, I got married. Life's pretty good. Uh, I, I really don't have much in my life that's not good. You know, good family, good. I have very little to complain about. Uh, which is not great for songwriting. So I, I had to learn to be able to write songs that weren't just about my current life because otherwise they would all just be like kind of boring, happy songs about, I don't know, like, yay, I'm married and life is good. Like as nobody wants, who cares? Nobody cares. Um, So at least for songwriting, <laughs> for songwriting, nobody cares. Let me be, let me be clear. So overall, Make a concerted effort to add to your songwriting toolbox. Address your writing bottlenecks. And make songwriting a habit, not just a hobby. And this year, almost certainly, you will write more songs, probably than you ever have before. These are three goals that I am also taking to heart. Uh, I've done these things to varying degrees of success in the past. Uh, but this year, I just want to keep doubling down, right? You're not going to be perfect. I highly doubt that you're going to listen to this podcast and you're not going to miss a single day of writing half an hour a day when you didn't, you weren't in the habit at all before. But if you can go from before having no habit of songwriting to now you at least average every other day songwriting for 10 minutes, that's a huge improvement, right? And then next year, you can take it one step farther. So anything to move the needle forward, some progress is better than none. So pick at least one of these, make a concerted effort to start it right away. And then also for all three, highly encourage you to join me in making the effort 
to address all three of these things this year so that for all of us, 2023 can be the best year of songwriting. Again, if you haven't already, be sure to pick up my free guide on the 10 different ways to start writing a song, especially if you're feeling inspired now and you just want to get started. You want to write some songs. You're feeling motivated. It's early 2023. This is your year. Be sure to grab that, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. If you haven't already and you enjoy the podcast, best way you can help me out is to leave a kind review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen if they do give the ability to leave a rating. Certainly helps me out when you all do that. I appreciate those of you who have already taken the time to do that. means a lot to me. Thank you for listening. Have a great week and go do some songwriting.